0: Or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October.
2: This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. This is a special edition of the podcast. We've been teasing it for like a month at this point but scott we're finally getting to our 61 movie podcast review this is going to be a podcast about a 16 year old movie about a baseball season that happened 56 years ago are you ready
2: yes i watched the movie again last night or last night last week and it had been probably 15 years since i've seen it the uh a lot of things I forgot about. I could tell you that much. So going back and looking at things and now knowing some of the other actors and like seeing them in certain other things, it's, it's even stranger, I think to see them in this, this older movie. So yeah, that's uh, I got some, I got some good comments for this thing. Let's, let's do it. (laughs) Do you think the movie holds up? Yeah, I do. I I think it was, you know, there there were a lot of like cheesy parts that bother me. And I, you get that with, you get that with sports movies, I think. And while I think some of the better sports movies, they, they try to cut as much of that cheese out, but I think you need it sometimes to set up the the plot and set up the whole story because I think one of my biggest, one of the biggest things I have the, my biggest bones to pick with this movie, I guess, is it's not geared towards to Yankee fans. And why would it be? Obviously it's, it's a, you know, a national scene, but as a Yankee fan watching it, like some of the stuff I'm just rolling my eyes with, uh, with the way that they portray some characters.
1: Yeah, so the, I think the best sports movies are movies that really put the actual game action on the back burner and talk right. more about the characters and stuff that goes on in the season or the, the life of a player, whatever it's focusing on. When, when, the game, when the movies try and focus on the game action, you can never replicate live baseball or live football or whatever it may be. Boxing maybe is the only time where movies actually hold up to the actual action. So... I thought the movie was good, especially when it was not focusing on what was actually happening on the field, which is kind of funny because it was very plot driven by Maris's 61 home runs.
2: Yeah, but good luck going and finding an actor who not only can play the role, of Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, and all these, but also look relatively athletic, yeah. <laughs> and throwing a ball and trying to hit because that is not a an easy task. Like it drives me nuts when I see anybody on on uh, in a movie or on TV or whatever, and they're playing some sort of athlete, and then you see them throw, and you're like, come on, can can you please just like take some lessons and learn how to throw a damn ball before you go and play, you know, uh, Mickey Mantle or Roger Maris? I think Mickey Mantle, ha- you know, had more athleticism than uh, what, Barry Pepper uh, with Roger Maris. But they were they were better than, I think, the majority of actors are in sports movies.
1: Yeah, like, uh, not that this is a sports movie and not that it really focused on the sport itself, but did you watch that FX O.J. Simpson uh, thing with Cooper Gooding Jr.? No, I and, didn't. I, oh. the,
2: the biggest over-actor in yeah, Hollywood but, history.
1: Like, O.J. is this massive guy who was built like you wouldn't believe he was a running back and he was built even when the trial was going on and then kuba gooding jr just shows up kind of puffy and fat it's like hey you could have lifted one weight for me if you were going to play oj simpson
2: yeah see that that's the that's the problem i have and i think that i see that a lot in sports movies um the, the lack of preparation to actually play the sport or act, act like the athlete what's his face um uh, Will Smith did a hell of a job, I thought, for Ali. I thought he, I mean, he lifted, he got, he got pretty jacked. big. Yeah, and he, he actually looked like Ali at that at that time. I thought that was a good job.
1: Yeah, can we agree boxing movies are the best sports movies?
2: Yeah, but I think that's the reason is because they can cut so fast and the action. Replicate. Well, yeah, but you can also cut away fast so it looks like impact and, I don't know, there's more, I think, movie effects that you can do within boxing than you can do uh, with uh with a guy throwing a ball or trying to hit a ball, yeah. I don't know. I, I just think it's easier to to to, to Hollywoodify it. Sure,
1: sure. Um, but yeah, I, I
2: agree with that. There, the action scenes are much better in boxing, no doubt.
1: I liked how the movie got going. I liked that they took us right back to 1998, and obviously, this movie was made in 2001, so 1998 was still fresh. I don't think um, Barry Bonds had broken the uh 98 record at that point so mcguire was the home run single season champion at the time this movie came out and it brought us right back with that joe buck audio and that footage at at uh the old cardinal stadium uh brought me right back to 10 years old watching that summer
2: yeah that summer was awesome and then sammy sosa was there to give him the the hug and the whole deal, I mean that was such an exciting summer to watch baseball too because
1: my be- you know- my favorite summer ever. There nothing no season and I know all the the uh steroid implications taint it, but nothing is ever going to top that for me.
2: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The the battle between Sosa and Maguire was was fun to watch.
1: Um the uh we got a Twitter question from Nate at njp584. He said does uh steroids tarnish Maguire's 98 season? I think that's like the most rhetorical question ever because
2: steroids obviously. tarnishes the entire era. I mean, it's there's the dude. But here's the problem I have with that is that he was giving, you know, he was giving interviews at his locker with a bottle of Andro sitting there and, you know, out in the open because it wasn't illegal at the time. That's yeah. the only problem I have with that, with Would the you, whole do, Mark, <laughs> putting Mark McGuire in it, because it wasn't you think Andro was substance. the only thing he was doing. It doesn't. Guy, yeah, I get it. But I'm saying he wasn't he hiding it.
1: It was he was laughably jacked. Yeah. Oh, he's huge. Was like he looked like Paul Bundy. Like his his waist, his like his shoulders were five times wider than his waist. It was he couldn't he, he had no flexibility. It was hilarious to watch.
2: He's still that big though. It seems like he's still that big. <laughs>
1: um, the uh, he yeah, and McGuire seems like one of the nicest guys, uh, and I think that's um, like he was tearing up, and he had the Maris family there and everything. But if you're the Maris family, you've got to be rooting against Maguire, right?
2: Yeah, but I think it was so, so much longer into the season that it didn't really, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it to root against him because right. he was going to get a month it. To go. He was going to get it, yeah.
1: Um, what did you think of the old Yankee Stadium green screen?
2: I thought it was. Uh, i'm trying to think back at the time like you know where technology was as far as movies at that point um because i think yes, well, you have to take it with a grain of salt but i thought it was pretty good you know i i didn't notice it being terrible um but i thought it was decent
1: yeah it was decent and and like i never saw the original yankee stadium i've only seen it in pictures um it's one of the like the things i wish i could just go back to and walk into the original yankee stadium yeah um but, yeah, I mean, it's it, like that's sort of part of the movie holding up is, is how does the technology. And, it, and it, like you said, it wasn't that bad.
2: Well, that's the thing. I don't think they had to do too much either as far as the technology. You know, you have your couple you know, panoramics and you have your, uh, your, your, a few views of what you're, what you're looking at. But the action moves around so fast that you can't really keep your eye on it and notice if there's any like, glaring de- defects, I think.
1: So the the funny thing I found about this movie, and, and it's really mostly in the first, say, half hour of the movie, but you yeah. can totally tell it's made by a Yankees fan, Billy Crystal, because right. it it pretty much just is like a, a 1961 Yankees
2: trivia for the first half hour. The first, so, <laughs> okay, we talk about being cheesy and, and how these sports movies are cheesy. Uh, look, before they even get to the, the part with Maris, you know, and they, and they go back to what they're actually real, they were in real time back in 2000 or what was it? Uh, 98. They, they would talk like what the son would be like, they'd be like, Hey, what are you holding there? He's like, well, I'm holding dad's bat. And like, you know, just like spelling every single thing out. Like the, the conversations were so unnatural that it was it was just driving me nuts. I'm like, oh, this is just such a force. Like, I got to get this into the movie. So you say this. You got to say this. Scene. You
1: got to set the tone.
2: Yeah, but it, I don't think it was done very well. I don't think the 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 writing was that strong, to tell you the truth. Um, and then at, what you're talking about? You're talking about the the trivia and getting into the characters and identifying who everybody is. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, come on! There, there, some of the things were just so ridiculous. Like the, you got to make Mantle look like an asshole. Roger Maris is like a yoke from the Midwest. Uh, Yogi Berra Yogi. Say, saying ridiculous things. You know, Spewed it's like ten
1: yogiisms in the first thirty seconds he was yeah, on TV. Uh, exactly.
2: On TV. Oh, okay. That's Yogi Berra. We get it. <laughs>
1: You know, I did not like the the actor they hired to play Yogi
2: minus the ridiculous eyebrows on the actor that they played Yogi. Yeah, I don't know. He didn't he didn't do it for me either. I actually forgot that was Yogi throughout the movie when he's like in there because he didn't feel like Yogi. Well, Yogi's Yogi's
1: not. A, I mean, Yogi should have a movie of his own. I mean, he shouldn't be the side character in a movie. So I almost would have rather just not even have them mention Yogi in this movie at all.
2: Yeah, the the, the Yogiisms being forced were 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 pretty tough. I
1: did love when Mel Allen, who uh, I have labeled as bizarro Michael Kay, was just like you said, going around the diamond. And it's like, who? uh, And at second base, we've got, and I don't even remember who the second baseman was, but Roger Maris in right field, the great Mickey Mantle in center field, Bob Serve in left field, which I found out with a little bit of research is not accurate um, because the Yankees did not trade, or the Yankees traded for Bob Serve on May 8th. 1961 so there's no way he could have been there on opening day
2: he wasn't there you mean being like hey roger look it's mickey he's up at batting practice everybody <laughs> look. everybody turn your head and watch the great mickey mantle at batting practice yeah. and then roger maris going and like almost you know taking his season out by diving into the wall for a bp ball come on <laughs> come on do, do you uh do you believe that the writers
1: on opening day asked them about the the home run record
2: yeah probably because they were looking for stories I mean think about what we do now as far as you know going into the season like you're looking for things to talk about you're looking for they don't have the luxury of social media and seeing off-season workout videos you know they, they they have nothing basically going into but speculation and and kind of forcing stories the one thing that was driving me nuts though is that the the writers were like on the field at the t- cage, like talking to the dudes, I'm like, you know, this is the one. One of my notes was uh, was when Roger Maris was writing or was out there hitting, taking batting practice, and Artie, whoever Artie is, I don't, I, the the writer uh, for the Yankees at the time, he's just sitting there like grilling him with questions while he's trying to get ready for the game and take batting practice. Like Artie, Ar- yeah, hey that Ardy, doesn't f- happen anymore. Yeah, can can you please leave me alone? I'm trying to take batting practice.
1: Well, I I actually think. That was one of the more interesting parts of the movie was the relationship between the writers and the players and how writers le- legitimately controlled how fans perceive the players. Right. That I mean, now with social media and so many avenues for players to reach fans, writers are no longer the main way that uh, people consume the the action and the personalities that are the baseball players. So they they kind of probably had a holier than thou uh, sense of reality, the baseball writers, because they were the the go to guys on everything that was going on.
2: Yeah, that's true. They were the liaison from the fans to the players, so the players almost had to have if it was if they wanted a good relationship and a good relationship with the papers and what was said about them, they had to to kiss some ass, I think, with the with the writers. So it's interesting, and, and you're right. I bet they because of that they did have a lot more access to on the field stuff, or um, you know they were just. They were they were more sprinkled within the uh, you know the the regular parts of the game rather than now it's a lot more structured.
1: Um, the uh, though and that's probably like you said why they're they're scrapping for stories that's why they kind of created the rivalry between Maris and Mantle out of thin air because assuming the movie is factually accurate from that standpoint which I think it is that Mantle and Maris were actually very close but if you were a fan at the time. And you read any of a number of those New York papers, you would have been led to believe that they hated each other.
2: Well, and that's an easy storyline to to get to, right? Because Maris comes in and has an unbelievable season, where where Mickey, you know, still had a good season, but there's there's now another guy in there who plays, uh, you know, a similar position in the outfield who who hits uh, home runs, who. Uh, he's a middle of the lineup guy who is taking some of that fanfare away and, and putting up some big numbers. So it is. If you're looking at it the outside, you would you can almost deem him as a threat to you know the great Mickey Mantle at that point. So it's a. Yeah, it's, Maris, I think it's a natural storyline.
1: Maris comes in first season, wins MVP for the Yankees, and then backs right. that up with 61 homers and another MVP. Not I, too bad. Maris is kind of lost in the. Um, I think because his time with the Yankees was pretty short and his his dominance was short lived, Right. but that's that you got some big ass balls on you to come into New York with Mickey Mantle on the team and win back-to-back MVPs.
2: Yeah. It just from, from the portrayal and the way that they had his character kind of labeled was that he just didn't think about that stuff. It seems like he was just so, I don't want to call it naive, but, but, uh, you know, carefree and, and so focused on just baseball. I mean, when he, when he goes back and talks about, you know, when Mantle, uh, is, is sitting with him. He's like, you know, tell me something about yourself. He's like, well, you know, I went, I, I went, I was in North Dakota and then, then I yeah. went and I played baseball. And- no, not
1: your biography. Like yeah. tell me something personal about yourself. Yeah.
2: But the thing, the funny thing is, is like the biography was go, living in North Dakota, like being, uh, you know, on the farm or whatever, playing baseball then playing baseball, playing baseball, and I'm in New York. Like, that was it. That was his life. That was the only thing that, that happened to him, it seems like. It was, you know, the family in North Dakota. Then he got out of there and played baseball. So, yeah. I don't know. He just he just seems like a the, the kind of, I don't know. I, I I picture Midwest people like that, I guess, on a farm, well, right? They put their head down and they work.
1: Well, it's funny because there's no bigger juxtapositions between Maris and Mantle. Uh, but Mantle was also a Midwestern guy. Isn't he Oklahoma?
2: Yeah, I, is the Oklahoma I, farm boy? I don't know if that's. Con- I guess that is considered. Uh, I don't know. I guess when you go in northern Midwest,
1: anything not in the on the coastline, I consider Midwest. <laughs> yeah, I
2: just I, o- Oklahoma is more of like a, a more southern to me. I don't know. They've got more of a southern feel than North Dakota and like Iowa and yeah, you know what I mean. But what that, I, but those are like you know going eating potatoes and, and and husking corn.
1: The thing though is, and you see this, I'm sure with players today, where you've got Mickey Mantle who thrives under the spotlight. He wants to be famous and uh the fact that he's famous for playing baseball even better. And then you've got Roger Maris who only played baseball because he was good at it and that's he just found himself there and that he doesn't even want the fame. In fact, he'd rather not
2: have the fame. Yeah, he goes and lives in in, in Queens in some, you know, tucked away neighborhood, apartment. where where nobody knows You know, nobody cares what he is. And Mantle is uh, sitting in Times Square in some, you know, in some like ridiculous uh, hotel and and just getting treated like a rock star. I mean, i mean the playboy that he is. Damn. And
1: and the movie, the movie set the tone right away for Mickey uh, with the quote, I like women with small hands makes my dick look bigger. (laughs) Like, I think that was the first thing he said.
2: Well, yeah, because they, they had to make sure that you knew that Roger Maris was the nice guy from North Dakota and Mickey Mantle was the guy that says, hey, look at me, look at me, the Playboy, uh, Playboy New York baseball player that, that loves the spotlight. He's kind of a dick.
1: He's, well, he's, he's got a point with the small hands thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, no doubt. <laughs>
1: um, so uh, the movie, as we said, the movie is just like a setup for the first uh, 20, 30 minutes of it all. Yeah. But that, like you said, also setting the tone with Ford Frick, the the then MLB commissioner who loves Babe Ruth. You'd think he was his own son. That's how much he loved him. Uh, immediately just uh, setting the expectations that if the home run record is broken, he's going to slap an asterisk on it because of the expansion and the extra schedule and all that kind of good stuff.
2: It's funny because Babe Ruth was the guy who brought baseball to the forefront. He was the the big Obviously, the uh, almost a, uh, a godlike figure, and and took the game to new heights. So they he did whatever he wanted because he was bigger. I mean, they say nobody's bigger than the game, but Babe Ruth was bigger than the game almost oh, because totally, this guy literally, far. you know, you see him walking around uh, with those fur coats and like it's ridiculous the the, so, the stuff that he would wear. And, and I have a hard and act.
1: fast rule. Yeah. My rule is if you out homer other teams, you're bigger than the game.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, and you know. So I, I can understand why the commissioner was was uh, was kissing his ass and, and kissing the le- His ass's the legacy's ass as well, because that's what people knew. That's what people loved, That's why people loved baseball was because of Babe Ruth. You got some guy who nobody knows about coming in and trying to take it uh, back then. That's just uh, that's just not welcomed. Can't do you can't th- sit here. Do, do you I feel like I he... got to talk like a like an old time radio guy. And that's what I felt like the entire movie.
1: Yeah, like the way Mal Mal Allen was talking.
2: Yeah. Huckleberry's out there trying to, trying to break Ruth's record. Or as you would call him, Shooter McGavin. That's all I saw the whole movie was Shooter McGavin. couldn't, I couldn't take my eye off Shooter McGavin the entire time.
1: Yeah. There's certain roles that you take and then that's just your persona for the rest of your life. Do you know his name in real life? life? Not a damn clue.
2: No, but he's in a million things, but he'll always be Shooter McGavin.
1: What is his real name? Do you know it? No idea. (laughs) Um... So uh, I, one thing I wrote down when they said it was that Maris's salary was $38,000 and right. uh, that uh, give or take a few bucks equals what Jacoby Ellsbury makes per at-bat. Oh, that's disgusting.
2: That's that's the real shame right there that the Maris family needs to be upset about, is that, is that Jacoby Ellsbury is making that.
1: I remember, uh, I forget what I was reading or where I heard this, but um, Joe DiMaggio, when he asked for, I think it was like a $3,000 raise, the Yankees... We're like no chance, and it's it's talking about Joe DiMaggio for a three thousand dollar raise.
2: Yeah, and you want them to give uh, to give three million to Dylan Batantis. Come on, it's crazy. They they times have a change. They Scott. won't even give three thousand to DiMaggio, and Batantis has the balls to go and ask for three million. Know your history, kid.
1: <laughs> that's what they they should, the yankees if I were the Yankees I would just use that for anyone yeah, who goes forever. in and asks for more money. Hey, look, Joe DiMaggio didn't get three thousand dollars. What makes you think you're going to get twenty million?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how about uh, how about Maris? So I, I looked up. So Maris had three home runs through twenty five games into the season, and that's a really slow pace. And he ended up with twenty uh, with uh, sixty one. That's insane. He didn't get going until games twenty nine through thirty two when he hit four uh, uh, home run four straight games.
2: Yeah, that's it. I think it makes it even more impressive when you see how slow of a start he got out to, and and just how lights out. And you know they weren't pitching to him towards the end of it as well. I mean, he was he was getting, he had to do a lot of that on his own. I mean, if if he had a good pitch, he had to take it out because he wasn't going to get very many of them. And and I, I guarantee that was uh, that was kind of a, they touched on it a little bit in the movie about talking about hey is he going to get pitches, but I don't think they touched on it enough because I guarantee. Throughout the season, you know, as he's approaching 40 and then 50, like that was going through and talked about uh, on every opponent and every game plan for the pitcher. They were, I guarantee, it was talked about.
1: Well, they made a big point about when um, the shift happened in the lineup, moving, uh, switching Maris and Mantle three four, right. and putting Maris three, Mantle four. Mantle was having an unbelievable season as well, so Maris was getting all the pitches, at least through the first three quarters of the season until. Mickey got that that uh, that alien shot in his ass from Mel Allen's doctor, and, and had to go to the hospital.
2: What is the deal with Shooter McGavin going in <laughs> and giving the giving like the herpes shot to to uh, to Mickey Middle? I mean that thing that thing got bad fast. It was like you it was like an, a, you it was like an real? African disease.
1: You think that really happened?
2: I think he shot him up with an African disease. Yeah, it was it was terrible. What was that shot? though? that's what who, I want to know. Who
1: knows? I just love how uh, you're take. They're allowing Mickey Mantle, their best player, their franchise player, to just take doctor advice from the broadcaster.
2: Yeah, and not only
1: but here's <laughs> like, here's my question. If John St- imagine John Imagine Susan Wal- Waldman is waltzing hey, through the clubhouse and handing hey, Roger yeah. Cheater. <laughs> it's Roger like a prescription.
2: The 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 big question I have is like yeah it went bad we saw what 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 happened it went bad but what was it what was the intended shot supposed I, to do so sounds I, like HGH to me I don't know sounds HGH something the
1: thing back don't start rumors I'm just saying it
2: sounds like it so, you know trying to heal an injury trying to get back faster sounds like it
1: I did I did when I watched this movie and wrote the blog back like six eight months ago I did some research and that was one of the things and I could not find anything on what that shot really was uh huh.
2: <laughs> Telling you, it was something uh, some unlabeled your, nonsense uh, from the horse farm in Oklahoma.
1: Are your sensors going up? Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, I'm saying I, I'm wondering what that what that shot was. I mean, I think what happened with the it was a it was probably a bad needle.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they forgot to they yeah, forgot they, to disinfect think, the needle.
2: I think it was a bad needle. Yeah, and I think he got herpes yeah. in the leg. It, it
1: was, that that needle was previously used for some homeless bum in the Bronx, and then they just stuck it in Mickey Mantle's butt.
2: Yeah, I mean that's there it didn't seem like he really cared he was just going for to get the magic shot pretty <laughs> unbelievable
1: i so i like to think about what if mickey mantle never had all those injuries and didn't have the alcohol problem and wasn't partying all night uh every night um and they kind of talked about do you remember the scene in the movie when they're on the road trip and they're all, they're in that bar and, um, DiMaggio, they, they find out DiMaggio's throwing out the first pitch like in a couple days. Yeah. And, and Mickey starts to freak out. Yeah. Um, and then one of the other players was talking about how in the 51 World Series, Mickey tore up his knee because he, uh, uh, Casey Stengel told him to catch everything in the outfield because Joe DiMaggio couldn't run anymore. Right. Um, and you always hear the story of about the sprinkler head sprinkler in the yeah. stadium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And anybody who watched Mickey Mantle in those days said that if he never shredded his knee and never had all those injuries, like he basically was playing, (laughs) even in his best days, he was playing at like 75%. And they just wonder what he would have been if he was 100% or had modern medicine.
2: Well, according to the movie, too, I mean, if you just look at the time where he moved in with Maris, if that's even 100% true, but he went... Oh, no, is,
1: that is true. I fact-checked that.
2: Yeah. So he went and he lived with Maris on, on, like, the straight and narrow for a while. He cleaned him up, made him... And he had a great season. You know what I mean? So, like, it's, it's very... Look... For what, what anybody else thinks, maybe it makes for better podcasts, but alcohol does not usually make for better sports and athletic It's a, uh, athletic it's achievement. a PED
1: for podcasts, but not, <laughs> yeah.
2: for, not for baseball. Exactly. So so the fact of, if we're talking about, it would Mickey Mantle have been even better without the drinking problem in the late nights and going out? Yeah, I think, I think he would have been, uh, you know, I don't know about the numbers. They probably would have been close, but the longevity, and it, obviously he would have been on – on the field a lot more often, and yeah, I mean, he he was a, a special player while doing all this stuff and being injured, so the sky was the limit with it, but you know what? That was part of Mickey Mantle, I guess.
1: Yeah, I was watching, I forget, I was watching one of those MLB Network, um, do you remember those MLB Network uh, top nines where they would do the nine best players at each position like over the course of history? Yeah. And it was center field, and obviously, they. I think they ranked uh, Willie Mays one, and Mickey Mantle, I think, might have been three, and Joe DiMaggio, two. But uh, one person talking about Mickey said that um, if you were, wa- when you were watching on their best days, Mickey Mantle was better than Willie Mays on any given day when he was healthy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense if you look at what he did while not healthy. <laughs> I mean, the the diagram, you know, it's a it's a famous picture. Just Google it if you haven't seen it. But the Mickey Mantle diagram of his injuries is insane. Yeah, of it's the, like, like uh, the map of his body. And then they, there's just like all sorts of lines coming out of it and uh, talking about how many injuries. I think it was in Sports Illustrated or something. I remember that. Yeah.
1: He's on the crutch, right? It's like that game. What was that? That game operation operation? Yeah.
2: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable amount of injuries that the guy played through, and uh, he played through a lot of them. That's that's the crazy thing. I mean, you you know how how many times he would have been on the DL now if he had those same injuries? I mean, he wouldn't have been playing half the time.
1: Yeah, look at uh, speaking of uh, the uh, one guy we just mentioned, Jacoby Ellsbury.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jacoby Ellsbury would not have been on the DL for ninety five percent of the injuries that he had <laughs> then.
1: Uh so you remember the car accident, uh, which was sort of like the, the straw that um, the last straw or how does this saying go? Straw the that, straw the, the that broke the camel's back. camel's back. Uh, it, when uh, he had that car accident and they had, uh, Whitey Ford. I love how also they play, portrayed Whitey Ford as just like literally like by definition, chairman of the board, which is yeah. what his nickname was. Right. Um but uh, that was sort of like the last uh, straw before Maris had to be like, all right, Mickey, you got hey, to hey, calm Mickey, the hell down. Yeah,
2: yeah Mickey, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You didn't, don't look too good. You don't look too – I just can't – the way that they talk is so ridiculous. And the way that if, – if Maris actually talked like that, about how, how calm his demeanor was and, like, how un, non-confrontational he was until he got, like, pushed to the absolute limit when he's getting, like, death threats. But the – the uh Whitey Ford is just like throwing money. He's just like throwing money at people. Yeah. <laughs> like thank just, God social media is not around.
1: He's making it rain on all of the people that witnessed yeah. Mickey Mantle being a drunk asshole. Oh, and
2: you're you're not going to say anything and throws like a couple hundreds at him. And the, <laughs>
1: like, yeah, that's gonna. Who's funding that? I want to know.
2: They're, uh, who's not taking that money and then going to the paper and and cashing that and double doubling down? That's on this true. Stuff? That's true. But yeah. you
1: know what? A lot the of papers writers, didn't write it. the yeah. papers didn't want to write it because then they would lose access. You're right. Yeah, so that,
2: that's kind of a nice system, though.
1: Yeah, M- Manta was essentially a made man with the media. Hmm. Not, like not a bad, not a bad situation to be in.
2: No, I think it's uh, I think it's a good situation. I, I I like I like the way that that works I, because then these guys stay on the top of folklore and 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 they stay on posters and you know no kids have to have conversation or no fathers have to have conversations with their kids about these guys because it's all it's all tucked under the rug.
1: That still exists though but at least you have not some, just
2: to a small extent small yeah extent. to a small
1: extent but at least you have a lot of writers and a lot of media people and blogs like us that will uh will say if something like that like if obviously you couldn't even hide it now if mickey mantle if um i don't know name if mike trout crashes his car because he's drunk you can't hide that now that's all over the front pages of every sports section tomorrow
2: right right yeah, I mean, there's been things that we've gotten though that we've not that we have not reported because we are we not hundred percent sure that they're actually accurate. That's oh no, a, no, no, I, I have a hundred percent facts that I have not that I have not put out there about about certain people in the organization. But there's the reason you do that is because if you are the guy that puts that out puts something out there that really doesn't want to be out there, then you lose credibility a little bit with that a lot with that player. And with the, you know, the people around it and, and what's, what does that do for you in the future? It, it does a lot of bad things. So you, you still have to kind of balance if balance. it's worth it. Yeah.
1: Um, so they, uh, they bring Mickey back to his hotel at the St. Moritz, which um, is like the Ritz Carlton just hadn't been called the Ritz Carlton at that time. And do you remember the uh, the hotel manager kind of complaining that Mickey's bringing bringing broads back at all hours of the night?
2: Yes, it it made me
1: think. Do you remember when A Rod got kicked out of Trump Tower because he kept bringing hookers in? I, yeah, I remember the stories. It's, <laughs> and yeah. his neighbors were complaining because he had a train of hookers just all, all hours of the night. This was like 2011, A Rod, when he was he was his most irritable.
2: Man, what happened with that? That that was a good A-rod I feel like. You know, the the guy Whoa. that brings in hookers. That was the A-rod that we hated. No, the guy that brings in hookers, I don't mind. That like uh, that guy who's who's out there just doing things out in the out in the open and people know about it. Like that's that's something I'm okay with. Well, I like that. I like that part of it. Not that I condone getting hookers by any means, <laughs> but so, for whatever reason, that makes me like A-Rod better.
1: We like Kate Hudson A-Rod because that was when he won a championship in 09 when he was dating Kate Hudson. And then he moved on to Cameron Diaz. You remember the popcorn situation? Yeah. I just don't understand
2: Cameron Diaz and in in just on, on the Cameron Diaz stuff, th- I don't get that. I don't think she's that great. You don't think she's that hot? No, no. I can't stand in her stomach. Her stomach bothers me. <laughs> it really does. Your, your stomach guy? Well, with her I'm an anti-stomach guy cuz it, it looks it, it just it doesn't look like a like a woman's stomach. I don't know, it's just it's Well, a, if you have it bothers Airod has a type. I don't know, does he? He's been all over the map.
1: Uh, he's got a type. A-woge? Cameron Cameron Diaz um Madonna.
2: woge How do you go to Madonna to A-Woge?
1: Well, A-Woge was for her business acumen. He was picking her brain. And right and her science. Do you remember? Uh, and her and her, me, her medical <laughs> science uh,
2: <laughs> prescription drugs.
1: Yes. Uh, do you remember also when he when he was pictured in his backyard with those female bodybuilders? No, I
2: don't remember. No, I don't remember that. Well, well that's A-Rod. he dated what's her face, Tori uh, Tori Watson. Is that her name? The she was a WWE chick. Okay, I don't remember that part. But
1: but what I'm what I'm getting at? A Rod's type is uh, muscular.
2: Okay. Besides Awoj, right? And Jesus. Kate Hudson.
1: We don't even know if he's still dating her, though.
2: No, it's. I don't think he is. There's just way too many Instagram stories out there without Awoj for them to be a, for them to be an item still.
1: Yeah, uh, we got a Twitter question from Matt Luck at DC Five Goon eighty nine. And he says, in 61, Mickey Mantle eats the nasty eggs before games as a ritual. What are the weirdest rituals you guys have heard of? So this was after he moved in with Maris and serve in that Queens apartment, in that two-bedroom Queens apartment for three Major League Baseball players. You know, when you're making $38,000, you can't afford uh, luxury accommodations. You got, you got to stay in Queens if you're Roger Maris.
2: Yeah, you got to keep it. You know, look, he's, you know, the money doesn't, uh, that's ball and money. And it's just, the money doesn't make the man. He was, he's very humble, very humble. Got to stay in Queens and just not flash that 38, that 38 (laughs) K.
1: But uh, those green eggs, which didn't really look that bad to me. I mean, how
2: bad can you make eggs? I don't really understand that unless he's putting some other foreign substance in these eggs back on the foreign substances. I don't know. I mean, they, they, they made him hit home runs too. (laughs) What was in them that made them so disgusting?
1: Well, you see, back in, back in the 50s and 60s, everything was organic. I mean, there was no added preservatives in all of our food. Our, our chickens weren't on steroids. So everything was better for you. That's why the eggs made them hit home runs. Now, with all factory farming and everything, right? Natural,
2: natural protein right there. Yeah. Tori Wilson is the, uh, is the chick I was talking about, by the way. Is she muscular? Yeah, she's actually very attractive. Uh, I I think he should have stayed with her for the duration, to tell you the truth. I I don't know what went bad there.
1: Tori Wilson?
2: Tori Wilson. It seems like a perfect match, in all honesty. Perfect match. Uh, I think we should get A-Rod back on the Tori Wilson train. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, she is hot.
1: Yeah. Uh, What's the weirdest rituals you've ever heard of? One that comes to mind is uh, that um, Wade Boggs would only eat chicken and rice pilaf, I think it was, before games.
2: Yeah, I think you get a lot of those types of things about certain, uh, you know, superstitions that, you know, people, they, you know, they don't, they don't launder their clothes, they go and they eat the same things. I think, I think what it comes down to is, is if they have, if somebody has a good day, they, they kind of, they kind of remember what they did that day. And then it just repeats until, until that runs out. So I, I can't think of anything like completely crazy off the top of my head, but there've been were some you, weird
1: ones. Were you superstitious? Like when you played high school ball or anything like that?
2: Um, not really. I think I'm probably more superstitious now than I ever have been. So like
1: as a fan, like you, if you, if you sat like in one chair and the Yankees had like a walk-off win, like you'll sit yeah. there the next night. type of Well, thing. when I
2: was in, when I was in college and going into, yeah, when I was in like my twenties, that was a definite thing. Like I would not leave a specific part of the couch and I would drink like the same beer. It's, you know, college problems here, but I would, uh, I would, I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. Like that that was absolutely a thing and I would uh and I would make sure that the same people were at my house. I wouldn't let anybody else come over. There there were jinx people. There, you know, that's a thing, I think. But um I don't know. I think like when I, I started playing when I played baseball in like some of the summer leagues uh in college and then after college, I, I would do a lot of the uh you know, we would do we would literally um this is terrible. <laughs> we would drink before the game a Naturally. little bit. Yeah, yep. we uh, so just a little bit. Just a every, little buzz. Every, get a little buzz going. Almost like every Sunday, there would be uh there would be rebel vodkas going on in the parking lot before we started to play the game.
1: Well, you're that's good. You're getting the energy while you're getting yeah. the buzz on.
2: Yeah, a couple times I had to get taken out of first base because I couldn't <laughs> see the ball.
1: <laughs> getting your B <B12>. twelve. <laughs> getting your. uh Daily uh, maximum amounts of B12 before you go out there. Yeah, there's vodka too, but...
2: Yeah, know, yeah, it's, it's The vodka was a... I'll never forget the day that I took myself out of the game because I couldn't see the ball. <laughs> Tapping out like
1: running backs do yeah, on I was the like I gotta, when they're I gotta, gassed.
2: I gotta go sit down. <laughs> uh,
1: I tweeted this when I was watching the movie the other night, but do you remember when uh, Maris and Mantle uh, formed the m M&M Corporation? I mean, the first thing I thought of was A-Rod Corp.
2: There could have been some inspiration there. I mean, if you're going definitely at definitely
1: some inspiration there. I yeah. feel like A Rod watched the movie and then was like, "Hey, that's a good idea."
2: A Rod Corp. Yeah, you know the M M&M, and M, the M M&M M boys. It was interesting to me when they had that, and then they, you know, they were showing like some of the um, some of the things they were they were doing with the corporation. But at the end, Mickey's like, "You know, you take all the money, you do whatever you want, you take everything." And, and just giving it to Maris. It was almost like a pity thing. Like, like he felt bad for him so badly that he was just going to give him everything. I don't know. I felt I felt that was kind of a slight. And I, I don't know if I would have taken well, it as well.
1: I don't know if it was a slight. As, so
2: Mantle. It was pretty condescending.
1: See, I took it the opposite way. I think Mantle. Um, I almost think Mantle looked up to to Roger Maris as far as like the type of person and type of family man and type of father he was right. And mantle knows he was not capable of that. I mean, he couldn't even be in the same city as his own family. Um, I think part of him wanted to be, but he just couldn't. Uh, So I think he actually did look up to, to Roger Maris in that sense. And I think he probably knew he needed the money more than he did. I mean, Mickey mantle was given, was given everything. He didn't have to pay for anything in that city. That, That wasn't how Roger Maris was treated.
2: No, I know that, and I don't think it was more. I don't think it was intentional. I, I just feel like the the notion. I don't know if you're a if you're a man and you're and you're going out and someone who is, you know, has the more the the better job or the guy that is is doing better in, in a similar situation and then starts giving you things. I don't know. It's I guess it's just like a it's like a manhood thing where like a guy is just trying to. It's almost like a charity case at that point. I don't know. It, it took me as a it took me as a little twist, and I and I think Maris even in his response. Was you know a little stand standoffish because he didn't want that. He's got that that Midwest pride, you know what I mean. He's not he doesn't want yeah. the uh, the handouts.
1: Yeah, I think he said something like, "Well, there's no Eminem without you. I
2: mean, you're half of the M, the Eminem." Right, right. So you're entitled to half of the money. I mean, that's just the deal.
1: Um, so the the movie goes on. They're both killing it. They're both uh, they're both living w- uh, well off the field. They're both crushing the ball on the field. The papers. And do you remember them kind of joking, like they were watching the TV, the news, and then some, like the broadcaster was like, "And I'm hearing about a feud between the M&M boys." And then Mantle looks at Marison's like, "Are we feuding?" And Rogers like, "Yeah, I guess so." Um, they were kind of joking about it.
2: Yeah, I. Again, I think they're trying to get as many storylines as possible during during this. I, I did they not understand that they were living together at that point? That's what I want to. I don't know if that was public information. Because obviously they're trying to, you know, or Maris and uh, Maris was trying to like protect him or, or, you know, shelter mantle from himself, basically, and from society and all of the, all of the uh, temptations around him. So I'm curious to see if the, I'm curious if that was private while it was going on, if, if they didn't really tell anybody where he was living or the fact that he was living with Maris. Yeah, no, it's because just, obviously uh, then that would be a, a ridiculous statement.
1: Obviously. But I think they bonded over going after Babe Ruth, right? Because what Mickey was and he said were in his house. The fat fuck is everywhere.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that I they agree. were
1: bonding over over chasing Ruth, um, whereas the public perception may have been. And we saw it, right? Because there was that uh, that time, um, it was in Detroit, I think, or something, where the fan threw the chair at Roger Maris. Yes, Um, So, I mean, clearly all the fans were rooting for for Mickey Mantle, and it was 1,000% because of the narrative these jackass baseball writers were writing.
2: Well, and the fact that Mickey Mantle was the guy for so long. He was the homegrown guy. Yeah, and nobody wants to see someone come in and take out your guy, which I don't get sometimes a little bit. You know, look, I, I try to picture myself as a Yankee fan and and who, you know, the heir apparent. And I think maybe Didi has like a very small bit of this because of Derek Jeter and the lore of Derek Jeter and coming in. I mean, he's he's the Mickey Mantle of then, right? And you got a guy coming up behind you. Granted, he was uh, the, the year after, but still that pressure's there that you have to live up to that. And I don't know if they were necessarily – there wasn't, like, a time to, like, say goodbye to Mantle at that time before Maris came. It's almost like he came a little early because if he had come after Mantle had retired, it would have been a totally different story. He would have been the next guy. And and he would have been the next great outfielder of the New York Yankees. I mean, maybe he just missed his opportunity by two years to become that really, really, like, uh, endured guy that the Yankees fans loved, which – but I think part it's of it kind was of he didn't
1: he didn't wanna be that.
2: Yeah, but I know, but if you're not if you don't want to be that and and but yet you're still hitting the ball like you are and, and Mantle's not even there, you're gonna be that. And who knows what happens then. Maybe he starts to embrace it maybe he starts to go out and and live life a little bit more and enjoy the good life because people are giving him that attention and they're not writing, you know, die, Roger, the die. Hate,
1: the hate mail he got, like, I felt terrible for him. Remember he was shaking and his hair was falling out
2: and he was smoking,
1: yeah. like, five packs of cigarettes a day?
2: So the one one of the big things that I – like, first of all, the Yankee fans were way over the top. I mean, can we – like – Hello, this know. guy I is doing very for, well.
1: That I don't think that's. I mean, I'm sure that's slightly dramatized for movie effect, but I think that's really how it was back then. That's.
2: I'm saying. I'm saying that the Yankee fans were over the top. They were yeah. over the top for the way that they treated this guy. Like I don't understand such hatred for a guy that's producing for your team. Like it's it's Babe Ruth that they didn't want uh, to break the record, and then at the same time it's Mickey Mantle. If someone is going to break the record, it's got to be this guy. See, I'm, I'm, I don't.
1: Again, I'm bringing it back to the media. Because there's only one outlet to these players, the only perception that these these fans got was through the media, and the media was one thousand percent slated towards Mickey Mantle. So imagine if it's like uh, in uh, North Korea, right? You only you you get uh, King Jong Un's. Uh, extreme radical um, outlook on the government. And he feeds you all of this propaganda. That's essentially, I know I'm slightly exaggerating, but it's ex- essentially what these writers were doing.
2: It was propaganda. So, so this is the, one of the biggest problems I have with, li- with watching the story and seeing what unfolded. This is one of the biggest issues I had. Why didn't Mantle while he was living with Maris yeah. had a very good relationship with Maris they they essentially bonded over this whole thing why didn't Mantle knowing his position in New York knowing his stature with the the media why didn't he stand up and say something and and it's call the point. dogs off why didn't he tell the Yankee fans cuz you know damn well they would have listened to him 100%. if Mantle had said in the middle of that season that he supports Roger Maris, you guys need to relax, we're going for one thing, if it happens, it happens, if it doesn't, it doesn't, but we're going to fight our butts off, the two of us, and we're going to go after this thing, because that's what we're paid to do. If he goes out and says something like that to the Yankee fans, totally different scenario. Yep. They, why doesn't they, he do it?
1: They buy in hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, that.
2: so why doesn't he do it?
1: I don't know. Why didn't, why, didn't Derek, why didn't Derek Jeter say that about A-Rod when A-Rod was going through his
2: struggles? Because A-Rod's an asshole. <laughs> Roger Maris is like the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> okay. Touche. A-Rod's bringing in hooker trains. Okay, <laughs>
1: uh, I lo- I did like when my, um, Mel Allen kept cutting off Phil Rizzuto. Do you remember that? Um, every time Phil Rizzuto tried to get a word in edgewise, Mel Al- Allen would just talk over him. It reminded me of Ranch Wilder and Angels in the Outfield.
2: You and your angels in the outfit. I, I, don't, I don't even know who the hell you're talking about. He was I can't. The picture.
1: broadcaster who kept cutting off the uh, his uh, color commentator.
2: Okay, I mean that's like a that's a very that's a very common uh, storyline with commentators and 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 color guys in any movie. I mean, I, like, do you think of uh, dodgeball with uh, that? That always happens quite a bit. One guy like overshadows the X guy. I didn't like how they portrayed Rizzuto, to tell you the truth. I didn't like the the. Um, the actor well, that played Rizzuto. Every time,
1: every time he said something, he had to make sure he said "Holy cow!"
2: Yeah, yeah, and he didn't <laughs> say it right either. I don't know. I just didn't like. I didn't like the portrayal of of Scooter. Maybe that's just because I'm a I'm a big Rizzuto guy. Yeah. But
1: um, uh, I always remember the Seinfeld episode when George's keychain with Phil Rizzuto, "Holy cow!" gets uh, planted into the cement. You remember that? Yes, yes, I do. Um. Uh, another thing I wrote down was when Mickey hit the, uh, Roy Hobbs, one armed home run. Yep. <laughs> like that didn't actually happen. Right. First of all, how do you, how does he like break his forearm on a check swing? How does that happen? I don't know. That's a,
2: that's a lot of power. That's a lot of inertia. It's, <laughs> that's, that's so beyond, that's eggs. over my head. That's some green eggs and a magic shot from Mel Allen. <laughs> that's all you need to fix that.
1: Uh, yeah, I really wanna know what, what Mel Allen like that is the biggest question I have coming out of this movie. The shot. The, the shot what happened with the shot from Mel Allen.
2: Did that actually happen? Yeah. And yeah. did he give him like a bad dose of something? And why did Mel Allen send him to a guy? <laughs> why did he send him to Doctor Doom? Because that's essentially what it was. You
1: gotta if you're a Yankees fan, you gotta be blaming Mel Allen for Mickey Mantle having to sit out the rest of the
2: season. No doubt. But nobody knew that. And maybe that was a storyline that was made up. I don't know. I, I don't know how you even fact check that. Maybe somebody wrote about it at some point. We should look that up. We probably should have already looked that up. But no, I, we'll I did out. look
1: it up. I can't find anything on it. Uh, so I, I googled it like the hell out of it for ten minutes when we were when I was watching the movie. I could not find anything on it. If anyone knows anything about that that whole storyline of 1961, tweet us at Yankees Podcast. And right, I'm we searching.
2: Know. I'm searching Mel Allen H G H, and it came up as Mel Allen Gay. Asking me if that's what i meant no that's not what i meant interesting <laughs> yeah
1: um so at this point in the movie they basically uh get down to like the final couple weeks of the season maris is going for the record uh ford frick who is a giant prick um figured i'd just slip that little uh, rhyme in there uh is already setting this the tone for for the asterisk um And he doesn't go to, he doesn't want to go to Baltimore for games 154, Mm -hmm. which is when Maris would have had to tie it. Now, again, this is sort of the movie making it uh, more convenient for telling a movie, but uh, that's not exactly how it happened. I guess how it happened is uh, Maris was going for the record um, in Baltimore, but it wasn't on uh, game 154. Uh, they played a double header i guess um so that's when he was going for it uh but obviously the movie didn't get into all that
2: yeah you have to make it convenient i think for for a, a trip to be planned or or and not go it's a uh, i don't know you know the whole thing like at that point you're still not over it and you're still not going to embrace it to me like if if i think he messed up with this with the entire you know, asterisk thing at that point. Yes, Babe Ruth was a big deal, but at the same time, you could set the tone as the commissioner, uh, and and I'm sure that they had complete control over the writers at that point too. Like they had a lot of thumbs on the writers. I bet the I bet baseball and the writers were had a very different relationship than the players and the writers did. Because I f- I feel like if baseball said something to the writers at that point, then it was more of a, a mandate. You know what I mean? So they could have set a tone with okay, you know, we we love. Ruth, we're going to celebrate Ruth. We're going to celebrate this. But now is the time where the Eminem boys are trying to break this record and we're moving forward and records are meant to be broken. And he just completely missed the narrative on that. And all of that packaged up together made the nice guy from North Dakota just like, you know, be the, the villain to everybody.
1: There was a quote in the movie that really stuck out to me. and it was, it, The quote was, if the record is to be broken, it should be by someone of greater baseball stature. Right. And I think that that is kind of telling, right? Uh, that's what the commissioner and the writers were thinking, is that Maris was not worthy of breaking Babe Ruth's record. Yeah. Whereas if if you flipped the position and Mantle was going for it, I think they would have fully embraced it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's probably – Because probably Mantle right.
1: Mantle is, quote, worthy enough to break the record, but Maris wasn't. And it kind but of from got what me the movie thinking.
2: is saying. From what the movie is saying, though, I mean, the narrative was started before it was only Roger Maris who was ready to go, right? I mean, it was they were still in a dogfight to to see who was going to get right. to it. No, and but it this seemed was, like that narrative was set from the beginning.
1: This was right at the end when he didn't <clears> get home run number sixty in in the. Uh, oh, as it happened, yeah, yeah, as yeah. it I happened, they were saying that uh, Maris is
2: not essentially not worthy. So does Roger Maris hit? Hit the home run in the 154 games if he's not smoking five packs of cigarettes a day. Uh, you know, I mean, like everybody. Or has if their he doesn't vice. face, if he doesn't face Hoyt Wilhelm, Hoyt Wilhelm, the guy who looked like a what did I write down? I said the '60s version of Fernando Rodney. He looked yeah, like right. with this. High, I've never seen a guy from the '60s. With a, their hat sideways. I mean, like that guy's exiled, right?
1: Well, it's like the producer of the, the, the director of the movie was like, how do we make this guy look as menacing as possible?
2: Yeah, well, he looked like a common crook. I mean, there's no doubt. A knuckleball. Oh, yeah. How many knuckleball relievers are there out there, too? Tell me that. That's, that's a, that's an anomaly in and of itself.
1: So that's, a, that's, that is, a, that is a point that is factually accurate. In his final at bat in game 154, he did face knuckleballer Hoyt Wilhelm.
2: As a relief pitcher, did he come in as a relief he, pitcher, or was he a yes, starter?
1: He brought him in. He brought him in as a uh, relief pitcher. Um,
2: but he's Mom, a starter, right? Um Harris, yeah. Okay.
1: So it was a total. So I, I said this is a total Buck Showalter move. That's something that Buck would have done.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Knuckleball uh, just to screw the guy up. I mean, that's it, man. I'm telling you. And I guarantee he was getting that before that game. I mean, he was getting all sorts of, you know, terrible looks and pressure.
1: It, he's probably getting it, pressure to. The Orioles manager was probably getting pressure from the MLB commissioner's office. If, yeah. I mean, if flick Ford the prick flick is, yeah.
2: Flick the prick is laying it down. Yeah. He's laying down the pressure. The thumb was being pressed on every, uh, every baseball owner across that was facing the New York Yankees.
1: So he gets it in the final game of the season with like a half empty Yankee stadium. That's so terrible. <laughs> the, do you remember the owner of the Yankees was like, how, how is the stadium only half full? What is going on here? I mean, the tickets would be going for $5,000 a piece if someone was going for the home run record now. I mean, do you remember when Barry Bonds was going for it? You couldn't get it. Like, StubHub was going insane for those tickets.
2: Yeah. I mean, do you remember? even remember the uh, out in uh, McCovey Cove, like how many kayakers yeah, were Thousands out there? of was, kayaks. It was ridiculous.
1: Um, Sal Durante caught it and then sold it, I guess. Um, uh, Roger, being the nice Midwestern boy that he is, just said, yeah, you can have the ball.
2: You, sell it. you need the money more than I do see he 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 moved on the condescending tone to another commoner it, like, it just uh, it just trickled downhill
1: that doesn't happen now players are all concerned about memorabilia now,
2: yeah, oh yeah, they want the ball
1: A-Rod buying it back from foul boy foul boy foul ball guy God I can't speak there
2: you go it's um, it's it's you know i think it's uh, it's funny though the way that, like they're on like a pedestal taking pictures and like he's just hanging out with them. Derek Jeter, I think uh, that there was like pictures in like the alley, very, very controlled <laughs> pictures of that kid's name. I, can't, I can see his face right now. He was a big dude. He was a big guy. <laughs> yeah, he was a big dude.
1: Um, 61 was a bad year for Babe Ruth records. Not only did the 60 home run record fell fall, but Whitey Ford in the World Series that year broke his scoreless inning streaks of 29.2 innings.
2: Wow. I mean, it all has to go down at some point. His wife did not seem very happy about the the records falling for for Babe Ruth.
1: Nah, she seemed like a bitter old woman.
2: Yeah, she did not like her position any longer with with the Babe gone and all these guys trying to stamp, you know, step on the Babe's record. He's the Babe. He's not Babe Ruth. He's the Babe. It's like, that's like, it's so ridiculous. I wish I could. I wish I could uh, to just like go back in time and and just see in in real life like what he was actually like. Babe It's one of those. Yeah, that's one of those, that's one of those time travel things that I'd like to do is go back and see Babe Ruth. I think he'd be probably one of, I don't know, maybe three people that I'd like to see play baseball.
1: Interesting. So if you could go back in time to one baseball era, it would be like the twenties for Ruth.
2: Yeah, I would. Def- Ruth would definitely be one of them for for sure because I think he was such a godlike figure at that point, and he was so much better than everybody else. And you know, just just he was bigger. He was he was. Uh, you know, larger than life. I mean, not even just baseball, but outside baseball. I mean, he was, he was a, he, oh, was, yeah. Myth- he was a mythical figure. Yeah. So I, yeah, I want to see, I want to see how much of that is, is actually accurate. And then how much of that is just, you know, us playing telephone over the years and, sure. and building it up and, and looking back on history and, and relishing on it. Cause that absolutely happens.
1: I probably would pick like the early fifties when there were still three teams in New York. And, and like New York was just the baseball hub of the world with the yeah. Yankees, Dodgers and Giants. Um, the and they all had superstars, right? The Yankees had DiMaggio and Mantle. The Giants had Willie Mays and then the Dodgers had Jackie Robinson.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of superstars on different teams in one city.
1: Um, So Maris died six years before Faye Vincent got rid of the separate record asterisk, which is kind of sad. That is sad. Such
2: and a then, nice guy. Man, such a nice guy.
1: Uh, Christy McQueen at glass flippers says, I'm really salty that Roger is not in the hall of fame. Yeah. Do you think he year? deserves to be in the hall of fame?
2: Um, probably not. I think some of the records do. I think some of the, uh, the, the his season does
1: and yeah. his bat is there. And um, I remember something cause the, the hall of fame is a museum. So, just because the player is not enshrined in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean something he did shouldn't be. So, no, that's,
2: I, I mean, Tyler Austin and, and, uh, Aaron Judge have artifacts in the Hall of Fame from the back to back home runs that they had on their debut.
1: Right. Which is why, though, it annoys me. And I'm, I promise this is not going to be another Hall of Fame discussion, but it annoys me that, um, there's players that had way less impact on the game of baseball than Roger Maris, who are who are in the Hall of Fame.
2: All right. I can't help it, but let me ask you a question. So if Roger Maris was eligible for the Hall of Fame today, right now, would he be a Hall of Famer?
1: Well, I don't know. You mean if like he was play if he played over the last fifteen years? Yeah, same
2: stuff. Like same thing same thing happened, but I'm saying like I feel like the the criteria has gone down that it would be a it could be a different story for No
1: because they, they because people would have said oh he, oh yeah he broke the home run record in the middle of steroid era yeah yeah right okay he's clean I think if he became re-eligible now he would get voted in
2: That's what I meant I didn't mean that he would that that him oh, playing in the 90s I'm talking yes. about if he was eligible for the player that he currently is I
1: bet he gets in on the players association whenever At that some point. time comes yeah Yeah because so. of because of the historic impact
2: Well and also because of all the things had. that have happened recently I mean, Jeff Bagwell and and uh, I, I still can't get over. It. It's not even that Jeff Bagwell is the biggest one to me. And I don't even want to get into this; it's going to make me go down another <laughs> rabbit hole. But Craig Biggio is the guy that really pisses yeah. me off. Right? Like uh, how
1: you're telling me Craig Biggio has a, a more lasting impact on the game of baseball than Rod? No, Mer. it's it's
2: like, the, the it Hall of Really Good. It's the Hall of Really Good guys who had good careers. Bullshit. That's what it's becoming, and it's and it's diluting the entire meaning of the Hall of Fame. It's pissing me off.
1: So. Give me a letter grade for the movie.
2: Give it a B. All right. it's, de- it's definitely not an A, and so, I don't think it's a C. It's a, it's a, it's a B. It's yeah, a low, it, it's a low B. A, it's I don't know a low honesty.
1: B movie, but I think it's a high B, borderline A sports movie.
2: Um, I don't know. I wouldn't put it in my top. I wouldn't even put it in my. I don't know. We did so we right? did.
1: Remember, we did the. Um, it's certainly
2: not in my top five the sport baseball
1: movie March Madness bracket it lost yeah. in the first round to Moneyball which Moneyball might very well be the best quality baseball movie ever it might not be your favorite but it's considered maybe the best quality
2: yeah i just uh i i i, I think as a yankees fan i look at this movie differently than than maybe a cardinals oh yeah if you're a, if you're
1: a, yeah if you're if i'm a, a
2: cardinals fan who likes baseball and you know, i watch this movie i feel like i like it more actually
1: Oh, no. You weren't going to
2: expect that, right? No, No because of all of the 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 cheesy things that they that they said. I I didn't I I really like I think that took away from the movie for me. The beginning of it and like all the cheese and the the forced like sediments that they had inside the movie. To me that took away from the movie.
1: That that wasn't nostalgic for you?
2: No. Well, I can't get nostalgic about something I didn't live through. I don't know. That's true. I feel like nostalgia is what you remember, right? So, like, I'm going on the history books. I'm going on what I've read and what I've seen and and, and, and stories that I've heard from other people. So, you know, I, I know all these things. Like, I know those players very well. I know what they're like. I know... Uh, from reading this stuff and just from being a Yankees fan for as long as it so somebody coming out and spelling it all out for me and like giving me the exact characterization that's so stereotypical to me pisses me off and it's and it's uh it's it's a it's a bothersome I couldn't get past that in the that's beginning a, of the movie it was pissing me off
1: that's an interesting take. that's a little bit of a hot take
2: from you on the movie <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was uh yeah the the um the Yogi Berra thing really bothered. Yeah, me. Yeah,
1: that was uh, Yogi was my least favorite part of the movie. The fact that they just had to force in all those Yogiisms was definitely annoying.
2: Yeah, it was really annoying. And um, so I, I like guess that's I said a I think
1: it. I think the movie had humor, which I think was was a nice added um added bonus to the movie. And I think that. If you just look at like the last half of the movie and the struggles that Maris went through, I thought that it did that really well and it, it taught me a lot about what Maris went through that season.
2: See, I agree with you there. I think the second half of the movie was way better than the beginning of the movie, the first half of the movie. I think after they set up all the nonsense and did all the stuff and they actually got to the plot and they actually started talking about the narrative of Mantle and Maris together, that's when the movie started getting very good and I and I did appreciate uh, you know, the things that I learned... With with the relationship that the two had and some of the things that they went through and like that's the type of thing that I that I really did appreciate and I liked it was the first part of the movie to me that was uh was the the slight spoiler I guess yeah it didn't ruin the movie by any means I mean I think a B is a pretty good grade for a movie in the first place um, but when you're talking about baseball movies and 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 like the the top baseball movies I I don't know I, I don't think I would put it up I don't think I would put it up there and 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 not because of the storyline but but because of the way it was done yeah.
1: Oh, it's not in my top five baseball movies. But I think Missy,
2: I think Billy Crystal almost missed the mark on it.
1: Oh come on, no, nah, yeah, really? oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. You're go just that far. jealous
1: because he got to play in spring training.
2: Yeah, what did he do? He Struck out. What a bum! <laughs> what you? a bum!
1: I think he did follow a pitch off though. Yeah,
2: he does not look like any sort of athletic at all. Well, the, he, he was <laughs>
1: he was doing this in his late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just
2: when you see Billy Crystal, I mean, he's the. He's, he's, ah. he's the least athletic person you could think of so the fact that he touched the ball i guess that's good
1: <laughs> all right i think that'll do it for the movie review i hope people enjoyed it um the first time we've ever done something like this what do you think scott
2: it was different it was definitely different <laughs> i I I, enjoy, <laughs> I I like talking you about You were the, skeptical
1: when i posed this as an idea to you because well, i didn't know
2: how the hell we we're going to talk about this for an hour to tell you the truth yeah, but we you you know, did it look well, usually, when, when we start talking, we just start rambling on and we start going down our own holes. But so, you know, the more I thought about it, the real, it came to the realization that we'd be able to get, to get this in. But um, no, I like it. I think, uh, I think I, we should, we should do another one or two of these and see how they roll. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the feedback. I'm interested in the feedback.
1: Yeah, give us some feedback. If you have an idea in mind, whether it's a Yankees movie, Yankees TV show, I know we talked about maybe doing The Bronx is Burning. You remember that ESPN miniseries? Yeah. Um, I, I watched that once. I'd like to go back and watch that. And maybe we can do a podcast on that or any other baseball movie or anything like that. Any ideas you, have for, you guys have for some extra content? I know in our last episode we talked about the fact that we'll be doing Maybe more episodes throughout the week. Still more details to come on that. But we, we do want to be doing these maybe once a month, um, twice a month sort of evergreen episodes. Um, they're fun. I had a lot of fun doing this. So um, tweet us what you guys would like to hear. And uh, uh, coming up on the show, on our next episode, Scott, it's funny. Isn't it funny that we record our show this week and then immediately the Yankees go out and make some moves? Um, seems to always happen that way.
2: It does seem to happen that way. And with the Chris Carter ad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I- I know the two of us have a lot of thoughts on what's transpired this week. It seems like yep. all of a sudden baseball got like got re-energized, and like, oh, we're all going to start making moves now. We're going to start doing telling you.
1: The, all the GMs were like, oh shit, the uh, the Super Bowl's over. I gotta I gotta start thinking about my team. Right? Yeah. Cashman went out, and made a move. So it's going to be a busy show on Monday. Uh, it will be out on Tuesday. Um, you guys are probably listening to this on Friday or over the weekend. So I hope everyone out there is enjoying their weekend. And we'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.